0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to And uh, then An Aeroplane episode. You don't know what fucking podcast this is. <laughs> welcome to the Aeroplane episode 18. I'm joined by M.
1: Hi, we're back. We're ought back. Had to, I ought to have had to get knee replacement, but
0: uh, <laughs> I know. Um, we've decided to talk about a good movie this time.
1: Oh, finally. Thank God. It'd been rough <laughs> for a bit there. I went, I, I opened, when I opened to see what the last episode was, I was like, oh yeah, I was like Howl's Moving Castle. No, it's fucking Tales from Ursy, a movie that I literally have forgotten that I watched. It was so big, uh, much of
0: a nothing. <laughs> That's literally, I did the same thing earlier today where I was like, what's the last movie we talked about? Oh, it must've been Howl's Moving Castle. And I was like, no, there was some non-Hayao movie between them. And then I remembered and I was like, oh God. <laughs>
1: We're just gonna get into it. We watched Ponyo, also known as Gake no Ue no Ponyo, which is a movie, uh, written by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, directed by, based on The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. It came out in Japan in 2008. I saw this movie in theaters. It was the first. No, I saw Howls in theaters. I was gonna say, I was gonna say this is the first ghibli movie I saw in theaters, but no, it isn't just the first good one I saw in theaters. Uh-huh. It made a bunch of money. It is the fourth highest grossing anime film of all time. What are the other ones you ask? I'm here to tell you. Uh, number one is Your Name, a movie I don't like very much, but you know, whatever. Two is Spirited Away, great movie. Yeah. Three is Castle, some dog shit. Uh, four is Ponyo. Five is Weathering with You, a movie I have not seen, but probably wouldn't like. Uh, Want to point out that Prince Mononoke is eight, Ariadne nine, Wind Rises is ten. So we got plenty more top tens coming
0: up. Um, Just out of curiosity, I googled highest grossing uh, animated films and uh, your name is number nine. Spirited Away is number eight on this list. So one of these is outdated or adjusted for inflation or something. I don't know. Um,
1: This is highest grossing anime films worldwide on Wikipedia. um, Yeah, I don't
0: know. This is highest grossing animated films. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Oh, actually, this is highest grossing... uh, 2D animated films, because if you let in 3D films, uh, Spirited Away doesn't even make the fucking list. <laughs> yeah, see, it's just, it's just Pixar all the way down, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just Pixar and DreamWorks. Yeah, this
1: is specifically anime films, so... Which is a specious list at best, but,
0: you know, here we are. Um, Before we get into summary and stuff, I was just going to ask, uh, was there any sort of, like, technology shift at Ghibli between movies here? Because this looks significantly different from some of their previous stuff in a way that I was curious about. Uh, I don't know um, if you know anything about that, but
1: there was a whole thing where like, they weren't sure what to do with the like art style of this. Like they were figuring stuff out. Um, and this is in the Wikipedia, but uh, Miyazaki went around uh, to art museums, or whatever. And in the Tate Britain art museum, he saw uh, the 19, the 1852 painting a by Sir John Everett Millais. And he was like, ah, this is like so incredible. We need to change our entire style, um, and so they, they between you know Miyazaki being influenced by painting and uh, this short, which I wish I could see, but like most of the shorts in that Ghibli's produced, they're impossible to find because they only show them at the fucking museum. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they combine the two ideas and to create something that's like way more hand drawn and like like you know solid color blocks and yeah, no, it's just. Throughout the old thing. It sucks. Let's try something different. And uh, because of that, I would say this is maybe my favorite looking Ghibli movie.
0: Yeah. From the very first frame, like this movie is like flexing in like a really cool way. It's gorgeous. Um, Mm -hmm. The thing that I tweeted like five minutes into this movie is that it felt like um, Miyazaki had watched a couple Pixar movies and wanted to just show that he was better than them. (laughs) 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 Because this is the same... This is the same year as Up, and I think Wally was, like, two years after this, and I feel like this is, like, the peak moment of, like, Pixar's critical acclaim, and I could definitely see him just developing a weird feud in his brain with Pixar. Uh,
1: I could see that. Um... I feel like his actual beef is just with his own success. Um, yeah. There, there's a really good thing where uh, the producer, uh, Toshio Suzuki, uh, it's, here's like, uh, after the success of House of Moon Castle, they recommended that uh, Miyazaki maybe make a movie for fucking children again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this might be like the movie with the youngest audience that we've seen. I guess Totoro would be the only yeah. competition I can think of. Yeah,
1: like it's Totoro and this. Like, this is a kids-ass kids movie. The cast mm. is incredibly young, like... Sosuke five. Ponyo is whatever, but you know, it might as well be five,
0: I guess. Right. For the sake of the movie. Um. But yeah, should we get into summary? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Um. So we open on a weird looking dude on a boat. Uh. That's got a little <laughs> bubble around it. And oh, you mean lo- you mean anime David Bowie? <laughs> yes, I do mean anime David Bowie, and he's looking at some fish, and a fish with a human face swims out of his um boat and kind of sneaks away. It's got a, that's Ponyo. Um a bunch of other tiny Ponyos try sneaking out and um so clearly like they have some desire to escape. David Bowie uh and Ponyo gets out and she um kind of like drifts around and she gets stuck in a jar and she meets uh Sosuke. When Sosuke saves her from this little jar she's stuck in and Sosuke puts her in a little bucket, takes her to school. It's a good time. He has a new best fish friend um while saving her from the jar uh Ponyo licks Sosuke's thumb and gets like a little bit of like human blood because he cut his thumb on this glass jar uh and this begins a transformation where Ponyo slowly begins transforming into a human girl um they do a day at school um we get to meet like all the characters of Sosuke's life um his mom stepmother question mark uh lisa um it's his mom okay
1: it's his mom he just calls her lisa because he's like a cool rowdy boy
0: (laughs) okay him (laughs) calling her lisa always confused me (laughs) yes um so we meet his mom lisa who works at a retirement center that's right next to the school he goes to we meet like a couple um cute old ladies at the retirement center it's just a pretty normal day um and Ponyo meets a couple people at the school and spits water at him. Uh, spits water at them because she's a little shit. Um, and towards the end of the day, at some point, David Bowie. David Bowie is like following them all around. Um, he's got like a weird contraption so that he can breathe on land, or something. And um, at some point, David Bowie gets Ponyo back, takes her back to the boat, and is like. Um, does, like, some exposition, but not a ton, about just, like, your mom and I made you, and, like, you know, if you go on land too much, you're gonna fuck up the earth, and I want to bring about the era of the ocean, and, uh, this did not stick in my brain, clearly. Um, Ponyo is, does not care about this. She decides that she's going to grow some legs and hands, and she does it, and he's like, oh, shit! Um, he gets into his little, um... He's going to go cook up a potion to stop it and says, gosh, it would be really, really bad if any water got into, like, my secret lair. And Ponyo escapes again and floods his secret lair (laughs) with the entire fucking ocean, which causes a tsunami. Um, And Ponyo uses the tsunami to get back to Sosuke. She loves Sosuke. Um, They have a very cute dinner scene where Lisa just like kind of takes Ponyo in and takes care of her um, and Lisa decides to head back to the retirement center um, to check on everybody and Ponyo and Sosuke stay at home uh, they go out the next morning the whole town is flooded so they have to like Ponyo uses some magic to like make them a boat And every time she uses magic, she starts to turn back into a fish girl a little bit. Um, And they go on a boat, and they're going to go out to the retirement center. And along the way, she uses too much magic and gets tired. But then there is a trial of love uh, that is never really explained. And we meet um, the giantess uh, mother of Ponyo, um, and she's like, uh, Sosuke, if you really love Ponyo, then she'll become a human girl and she just has to give up her magic powers. And they do that and the movie's over. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They did it. All the tides roll back. Uh, it's great. Earth
1: saved. Yeah. The moon is not falling. 24 hours do not remain.
0: <laughs> it is um, thematically, not visually. I think visually this is a very ambis- ambitious movie but thematically this is like the least ambitious movie that miyazaki has maybe ever made and i think it's one of his best because of that (laughs) yeah no
1: it's like ah, just just go and make a fucking fairy tale and he did and it's good that's all you'd have to do
0: yeah it works on a lot of anything adorable fairy tale logic that is just like the heart and soul of this movie um yeah
1: Let's uh, take a short break and we'll talk about voice actors and then we'll get back and we'll talk about this stuff here. Um, Worth noting, this uh, this has like a weirdly stacked dub, even for the Disney dubs. Um, I don't know why. Um, which is funny because the Japanese version is like mostly unknowns or you know people without a lot of stuff. Ponyo is voiced by Yuri Nara in Japanese, who, as far as I can tell, has done nothing but this really. Uh, voiced by Noah Cyrus in the Japanese, who is Miley Cyrus's littlest sister and a singer, I guess. Oh, weird. <laughs> Uh, Sasuke is voiced by Hiroki Doi, who also has uh, done nothing in English, voiced by Frankie Jonas, the youngest Jonas brother. <laughs> uh, Lisa is voiced by Tomoko Yamaguchi, who in the Japanese uh, is a she's in this really long J drama called Long Vacation that even I have heard of as someone who's never watched a J drama in my life. Uh, very influential in English. She's voiced by Tina Fey, who you might know from SNL and 30 Rock and everything else. Mm hmm. Uh, Koichi, their dad, who is in about 30 seconds of this entire movie, um, <laughs> is voiced by Kazushige Nagashima, who is a professional baseball player and sports commentator. Um, in English, he's voiced by Matt Damon, uh, <laughs> who was probably doing the informant around this time, would be my guess. 2009? That sounds about right. They
0: hired Matt Damon to essentially play the dad from Earthbound.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh Grandmamar, which is what they call Ponyo's mother, um, is voiced by Yuki Amai in Japanese. Uh, she is a famous uh actress, like stage actress, uh, who is mostly known for playing male roles on stage. She did like Rhett Butler in a really famous version of Gone with the Wind, according to Wikipedia. In English, she was voiced by Kate Blanchett, who is literally just doing her Lord of the Rings shit. Yeah, again. no,
0: just the same shit.
1: <laughs> um Fuji. <laughs> Uh, Fujimoto, Ponyo's dad's voice by George Takoro, uh, who is a Japanese comedian old enough to have, uh, Mahjong games with his name on them on the NES and Super Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Um... He's also the dub voice of both Alf and Buzz Lightyear, so fucking I don't know. <laughs> in English, he's voiced by Liam Neeson, who, when he's not being racist it, at this point in his life, is in between the films Taken and Chloe, which fucking take a left turn for the Jilly movie. <laughs> it's so funny to me. <laughs> um the the young mother they meet, like right before the Quest of uh of Love is worth pointing out only because she is voiced by Rumi Hiragi who is the voice of Chihiro in Spirited Away showing up again. Uh in English she's voiced by Mona Marshall who is Izzy in Digimon and Musashi in Brave Friends of Musashi which is a uh movie I love. Um the three old ladies in Japanese are three actresses who've been working since like the 40s. They're all still alive but like I didn't hurt anything they'd worked in. So Mm. that's, uh, you know, but in English, they got Lily Tomlin as Toki, uh, who's the really grumpy one. And she's fantastic. Um, been working since the seventies. She was recently in pink Panther two. When this came out, I was trying to see what you've done. (laughs) I was like, is this around? I heard Huckabees, but no, I heard Huckabees is like 2004. So, (laughs) um, Yoshie is voiced by Betty white, um, uh, internet meme, Betty white, uh, And Kayo is voiced by Cloris Leachman, uh, who is a classic comedian. She has Phyllis in Mary Tyler Moore Show. She was Frau Brucher in Young Frankenstein. Um, Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. I don't know. <laughs> look. <laughs> and that's all the voice actors. Stacked. Weird. Weirdly stacked for the uh, dub. Yeah. <laughs> I assume because this movie did super well in Japan that they were like, well, we're just going to... Pour all our money into it Why not Why not right Also yeah. it's a movie That will appeal to kids Unlike the last two Which have been weird Like sad war movies <laughs> <laughs> um, Imagine you're Disney You pick up Because John Lasseter's uh, Convinced you to Buy in on all these Ghibli movies You get Spirit Away It's like fucking great Of course everyone loves this movie And then you get all the ones After Spirited Away Which are these like Meandering like navel gazing Dark films You're like I, We just wanted the fucking Girl in Magic Land <laughs> <laughs>
0: They got the Cat Returns. Like, I'm sure... Yes. I'm sure that did okay on DVD, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, no, I know, but it's just really funny. Um, So... The thing about this movie, because it is a fairy tale, because it's so lighthearted, the part where Fujimoto has, like, apocalypse juice to wipe humanity off face of the Earth and is, like, sub, is just, like, a, like, side beat that you literally kind of forgot about as you were explaining it. In the yeah. Like, he's got some juice, age of fish, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's collecting nectar that's going to, like, primordially reset the Earth to make it an ocean planet and all humanity is going to
0: die. Um, it's extremely funny because he's got, like, vials of the shit that are labeled, like, 1891, 1907. And, like, you kind of know that something bad is going to happen because he's, like, clearly forecasting that, like, oh, yeah, this is not going to break well for him. Um, But in, like, the next two minutes, Ponyo shows up and just destroys decades of his work. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious.
1: Accidentally unleashes the apocalypse early. A real mistake for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like... Fujimoto is like a dude. He's a dude. He's a normal man who fell in love with a giant fish lady. Uh, Rebecca Sugar furiously taking notes in the background watching <laughs> this movie.
0: I thought li- the same thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so he's decided he's to live in his little bubble under the sea and just like be the... the a, a, like maestro of a new world but like it's not even his world just a fake ass poser he's just like a grumpy <laughs> environmentalist who decide that people all need to die he's just poison ivy but like way less cool
0: <laughs> i thought because very early on um you see like the first thing that happens is you see like the like beauty of the sea like you get all of these ro- lovingly rendered like jellyfish and like regular fish and crabs you get all that stuff um and then you get closer like Ponyo swims close to land and it's just trash everywhere the very the reason that Ponyo is in such a bind at the beginning is because like she gets caught in like a trap like a, a boat that is like trawling up trash off the floor of the um the sea there the bay yes and like y- i thought i was like oh it's going to be another one of these like environmentalist um Miyazaki movies that's about all you get out of it <laughs> Like, those two things, you know?
1: You get, like, the sense that, like, on some level it would be nice if the Earth was just paved over by the ocean, right? Like... Mm -hmm. It seems like it's bad for the people living on this island, but like other than that, it's it's kind of nice. Like there's this great shot uh, where all of the like all the boats and all the world are like on the like caught up in this giant wave that's coming and gonna wipe out everything. And just like yeah, this is nice. As I'm watching this, I'm like yeah, okay, I'm here for it. Maybe it's about where we are in 2020, but I feel like I've always felt this way. Like the apocalypse of this movie is like it's nice. It's very pleasant. (laughs) I'm down here for it. I'm ready to sign up uh, to be washed away by the giant fish.
0: Um. Yeah, and it's, I guess, like, a through line of the movie, but it's not, like, it's not as strong. It's just that, like, I think it is just, like, one of the natural, like, preoccupations of Miyazaki that sneaks its way into the movie rather than being a movie about that. Um, yeah. But which I think like is... The... You go. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that, like, I think that's just, like, a... That's a good, fun way to, like, bring that in where it's not, like, at the forefront of the movie. I think it just being, like, kind of a subconscious thing that bubbles up is, like, uh, interesting and fun.
1: Yeah. Um, and also because it's got this, like, very dream, like dreamy logic to everything. Everyone, even when their entire home is covered with water, they're all fine. Like, they're all just in a little bubble dome uh, mm-hmm. around the old folks' home. And all the old people are... Uh, you know, in that Twilight Zone episode where they're young again and running around like nothing's wrong with them, and it's just good. It's just nice.
0: Yeah. um, There was, like, a moment as, like, uh, Sosuke Bosuke is, like, pushing his boat through the... um, You can't say that. You can't (laughs) say that. (laughs) As he's, like, pushing the boat through um, the town, I'm like, damn, there's, like, two feet of water. Like, people... Would probably die in any normal story. Like this is like millions of dollars in damages, but like at the end of this story, it's just it's all back to normal. It's fine. Who cares? You know? Yes. Yeah. Um. It's very sweet. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. And yeah, like the fairy tale logic kind of suffuses everything to where just like, you know, most people are totally unbothered by seeing this fish that's got a human face, and like at some point, um. Like the national, like the equivalent of the national guard, is like sailing around trying to get everybody to the local hotel, and they see these two five-year-olds. are like, "No, actually, we're gonna go to the retirement center." And the <laughs> national guard is just like, "Okay, sure, yeah." Yes.
1: <laughs> you see, um, the amount in which like five-year-old kids are just like given agency to do stuff is. Re- I've always loved that about this movie. It's just some kids going on an adventure.
0: The other thing it reminded me of um, was Lilo and Stitch. You know. Oh yeah, yeah um, for sure. The way that Lisa just gives them free reign to just do do what they're going to do is just like such a good vibe. Um,
1: The thing I like about this is like in this movie, and I think it's like the thing... That I think it's fine in Lilo and Stitch but it's not like the thing I enjoy when I watch that movie is there's no question that Lisa's a good mom she's a good yeah. fucking mom yeah. and like so much of Lilo's Stitch is like all oh, the people around her think that she's like badly taking care of uh, Lilo and so they might take Lilo away and that, that's like your tension none of that has to be here Lilo, uh, Lisa's super solid she's a working mom her husband's like this deadbeat on a boat who's apologized to her every time he has to go back out to sea mm-hmm. and she's just taking care of her kid who like she's like cool enough she's like you know you can call me Lisa you don't need to call me mom I'm cool like that and she's like driving her little car around these in- impossible mountains in the middle of nowhere
0: her little car which is like the fusion dance between the car from only yesterday and every car from Cagliostro <laughs> yes <laughs> she, she is like the most reckless driver I've ever seen in a movie but it's fine yes. because it's all just cartoon stuff you know yes it's really good um it was it was so unexpected for them to just they really do just dip back into the way that they animated cars and caliostro and it's just like such a sweet little addition to this movie that does like it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the movie necessarily it just I just like character and texture and it's it's my favorite yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really um,
1: all about like those little things like the, the way that works like the like um the lights when she's like signaling her husband like the way that stuff's animated uh like really rapid fire and staccato and mm-hmm. um stuff like cooking the ramen like this this is a this is in the same way that like we talked about Housewife Castle this is like obsessed with texture but because it's not obsessed with realism it just gives everything this like like illustrative quality that's
0: really impressive yeah um and i think it like it all helps add up to like i think lisa's one of my favorite characters that we've seen in one of these movies. And she's not like, you know, she's not your She's not, um, Nausicaa. She doesn't get like her own arc or anything. I just think that she's like a really well sketched, like one dimensional, two dimensional character, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just think, I just think she's wonderful. I think a lot of the characters in this movie are wonderful. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah even like dumbass Fujimoto who is intentionally contrasted with uh with Koichi as like these dads who mean well but are never there in the way that matters right like mm-hmm. he's 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 around he takes care of Ponyo but by being kind of severe and weird and like trying to end the world for her and all of her sisters <laughs> it's a thing nobody asked for
0: <laughs> well and like um uh Sosuke's dad is like so funny because like he doesn't seem like a bad dad. He's no. just not ever around. And, like, it's so funny the ways that he tries to patch over it of, like, giving uh, giving Sosuke, like, the cool captain's hat and is like, I need you to, like, be the captain of the home or something. Just, like, it's, it's very adorable the way he tries to paper over the fact that he's never fucking around.
1: Yes. But in the same way, like, Uh, Ponyo's mother is not around in like a, such a categorically, categorically different way where when she arrives, it's not as if she's finally returned. It's like, she is always around in a way that like Ponyo and the other fish girls are aware of, even Mm -hmm. if, uh, even if, um, Fujimoto's not. Um...
0: gosh trying to also
1: think. also the thing i forgot the most honest bullshit thing is that Ponyo is not her actual name her name is brunhilde
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was like when i turned the movie on i was like isn't this a little mermaid thing and then i kind of like had forgotten about that and then he calls her brunhilde i was like that must be a shout out to like the original like little mermaid story or something <laughs>
1: It's just very funny. This fucking David Bowie guy named Fujimoto names
0: his one daughter Brunhilda, um, And I'm like, no, you don't. Stop it. Knock it off. Oh, yeah. Part of the reason that I had wondered if Lisa was... Um, his stepmother was because, like... Everybody else in the movie has names like Koichi and Fujimoto. Yeah, and her she, name is literally Lisa. Yeah, and I was like, is she like an American that he... Like, I was, I was just confused I about that
1: situation. That. I would believe that she's like an American and maybe Sasuke is like, you know, like an American Japanese kid. Yeah. Because um, if, 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 if his dad's a sailor, then he could totally have like
0: met Lisa when he was stateside and then moved to Japan with them, right? Yeah, there's a very adorable line where like, they're like did the, sor- the, the tsunami blow us all the way to America? It's just funny that that's a thought that even crosses their mind. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I had something in my head about Fujimoto. Well, why do you think of that? I wanted to shout out the old
1: ladies who are incredible. Yes. Scene-stealing. Um, if you watch the dub, they're the best part of the dub, absolutely. Um, but they're just great. Uh, and I like how much they ground. By, by being like... Very sedate. Like, you know, they're three old ladies. Two of them are really nice and kind of like, you know, forgetful or whatever. And one of them's just fucking grumpy as shit all the time. Mm. Just like the meanest old lady. But in the way where you're like, she's not like actually nasty. She's just like this in a way that you can like work with. Um, they give it like this sense of reality that to me makes the magic stuff even more effective because. I, I buy Sosuke as this kid who runs around this old folks home and these two these three like very realistic old women live there and he he's friends with all of them but in like the kind of weird way that is like cross-generational and you're friends with someone really old when you're really young um, and so when the magic shows up and they all react to it equally it like makes the magic feel more special to me that it's not just a thing that the kids feel it's a thing that everyone is in
0: yeah it feels it's it's just feels like very real um, that like Oh yeah, if you if your mom worked at a retirement home that was right next to your school, you uh, would just like become the sort of pseudo grandchild of a couple old ladies there. Like that just feels like a real yes. thing that would happen, you know. Um, you don't question it in any way. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but it also it also gives it. Um, what was I going to say here? Um, Damn, I had a thing and then I immediately fucking threw it in the garbage. Just Well, I remember I remember
0: the thing that I was going to say, <laughs> okay, which was actually ahead. nothing to do with Fujimoto. Um This movie is also just a brief glimpse into like what if um what if Miyazaki was obsessed with boats instead of planes and the answer yes. is it would fucking rule. <laughs> it would be
1: <laughs> What is what is a plane but not a boat of the skies? Exactly. Um uh, that's the thing I uh, you know this actually ties into the point I remember what I was going to say is in a lesser movie Ponyo's magic would be a thing that only Sosuke saw like when yes. she enlarges a little toy boat and they ride it around or whatever it would be like a thing that they did separately and then it would be gone by the time they ran into adults and like that's just not what this world is like everyone lives in this like interacts with this magic it's not Calvin and Hobbes logic right Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well and um one of my favorite scenes in the movie is um, Lisa is driving away from the tsunami and Sosuke is like looking in the looking out the back window of the car and sees Ponyo like riding on a fish um, and like doing all this like weird magic shit. And you're like just begging Lisa turn around Lisa see the magic and she doesn't and she doesn't and do- she doesn't and then she does and she's like okay, I guess magic exists and just rolls with it. <laughs> and it's like, well, I, whether magic exists or not, there is this little girl here and I can't just leave her out on the street. She's coming inside and we're do, we're having like this incredibly warm scene of like getting the kids ready for bed. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very funny. They like pull out the radio and they call Koichi and um, like, she's just like, Hey, I'm here with uh, Sosuke and Ponyo, and I was like he, Koichi doesn't know who Ponyo is. <laughs> it's never met this child, <laughs> and then the child just shouts, "I love ham!" at him. <laughs> um, the other thing oh, about that's because Ponyo loves ham. Ponyo loves ham. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about this movie is that, like, it made me think about, um, especially there's a very funny scene where Fujimoto is like oh, the boat's leaking crabs. Um, And, like, you see just, like, a million fucking crabs in the boat. And um, I was just, like, fantasizing about, like, man, what if uh, Miyazaki had, like, spent more of his career just, like, lovingly rendering, like, sea creatures and insects. Like, because there's, like, you get it in this movie and you get it in Nausicaä and it's, like, my favorite shit that he does. Yes. (laughs) Or more likely that his staff does. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah Uh,
1: All right. I think that might be everything Unless you have something else I think that's everything
0: It's a good movie It's a good movie It's a hundred minutes long It's exactly the length it should be You know Yeah
1: We have questions. If you want to send questions, you can send them to the podcast at mm-hmm. mapping.com. We have a couple here. Zhuo uh, writes in, as Gundam fans, how do you feel about the genera- re- generational relationships and conflicts as are portrayed in Miyazaki films? Does it relate in any way to the ecological message that has been present from Nausicaa through Ponyo? I had not really considered this until I got this question, um, but I do like it uh, in that I feel like... Outside of Howl's, which is adapting another work, I feel like every old person in Ghibli movies is both correct, but also incapable of doing anything. In to me, it's very Tohono-esque. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- like, they're all wise, but none of them are, like, enacting change. The change always has to come from the youth, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is uh, taken to its extreme in, uh, in Gundam, but uh, it's still, like, a through line in all anime, really, in a lot of ways.
0: Well, and I think this was one of our, like, friction points with Hal's Moving Castle, where, like, because, um, the protagonist of that movie's, like, age is, like, always changing, it's saying such weird things about age that, like, yeah, is kind of inconsistent with the rest of his work, I feel like, um, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about this, but this is, like, a really good thread to pick up on, I think, um, Because it's definitely also there in, like, Castle in the Sky and in um, Kiki's Delivery Service, I think. Like, this is, like, a good thread that I want to, like, think about a little
1: more. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then... uh... Next question. Miyazaki said he wanted to do a sequel to Ponyo but was convinced to make Wind Rises instead. How do you feel about the possibility of Ghibli movie sequels? Which Ghibli would you choose to have a sequel? How about Ocean Waves 2, <laughs> which is crossed out?
0: <laughs> was that you or th-
1: <laughs> No, that was them. I just it was crossed out in the thing.
0: Um <clears throat> I mean, I would be fine with a uh, I would be fine with a Ponyo se- sequel. Um Seeing Ponyo, I'm now worried about The Wind Rises because the thing that I like about Ponyo is that it's not about anything, and I know (laughs) The Wind Rises is maybe his most, like, I'm about something movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, Ponyo would be a great movie to get a sequel. Um, Not Porco Rosso. Um, I would be... I think you could do something interesting with Whisper of the Heart besides just The Cat Returns. I don't know... I don't have a pitch for it off the top of my head.
1: I think someone could do something interesting with Whisper of the Heart that, is, that isn't that follows up from the human stuff. I don't think I want Ghibli doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem is that, like, um, if I'm going to look up his name real quick. If, if Kondo had, like, you know, lived to make another movie, I think him doing that would be interesting. I don't trust anyone else at Studio Ghibli to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not
1: against I'm not against sequels though. If you, if they wanted to if they wanted to adapt the rest of Nausicaa, I would love it if they did that. I don't think they could make that movie, but I'd be really excited to see it.
0: I I think you could do I think you could do a sequel to Mononoke for sure. Uh, uh. <laughs> I want them to make things I'm interested in <laughs> they gonna mean, make
1: like a Curtis movie about him. Like after uh, Porco Rosso, wasn't that in the cards at some point
0: that was definitely, that's come up on the podcast before. I definitely yeah. have heard this idea before. Um, I think a sequel to Porco Rosso would just lose every, everything that makes that movie so charming. I don't know. I mean,
1: I think, I think it would end up being a cat return situation where even if it includes the same characters, it's just in such a different context that yeah. it would be a different thing. And I think that might be true across the
0: board. Um, you know that's kind of that's kind of the reason that I would maybe be okay with a Mononoke uh, sequel Um, I think I wouldn't want Miyazaki making it I think if someone else went in and like muddied up the world of Mononoke a little bit and like was like actually if someone went in and thought maybe we can like do something here maybe there's like the bones of something good that we did not like use at all last time
1: yes uh, we have questions from Adam. What do you think about deep sea and prehistoric sea creatures? They scare the heck out of me. They're fucking radical. <laughs> they are, they are scary. These ones don't bother me because they're cartoonish, but real life ones creep me
0: out. Absolutely. I like, um, it's weird. I'm so intensely arachnophobic that sometimes, sometimes not all the time, crabs freak me out too. But yeah, like, they're just
1: spiders. They're just weird spiders. They're just, they're, weird not, they're not, not
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Weirdly, our friend Juliet has kind of, like, desensitized me to crabs a little bit just by retweeting crabs all the time. Okay. Um, But, like, if I see a picture of, like, a real-life, like, weird-looking sea creature, I'm all in on that. Um, Like, weird sea creatures. I love an anglerfish. I love all sorts of, like, weird, scary sea creatures. I just... Insect. I'll look I'll look
1: at pictures of them all the all day long. If I was in a body of water and thought about it too much, I'd have to get out of the body of water. It would freak <laughs> me out. That's how I feel about bugs too. I could be I can be I can look at pictures of bugs, I can think about bugs, I can see them moving. I can be at a zoo looking at bugs under glass, doesn't bother me. The second one is in a space where I could encounter it physically with my body,
0: no, I'm out of here. <laughs> see that just doesn't most bugs I think are kinda neat looking. Spiders bother me, but, like, most bugs... I Every bug. I think, I, I think I'm more creeped
1: out by, like, caterpillars than I am spiders.
0: <laughs> I would, um... I would happily, like, go stare at, like, a praying mantis, like, hanging out just, like, near my front door or something. Yeah, I don't know. Just freaks me out. Uh, what's the best-looking food in a Ghibli movie? This ramen is a strong
1: contender. Um... I think for me, and I understand it's meant to be gross, but all good food is really gross, is the parents peeing out on all the food at the beginning of Spirited I mean, Away.
0: Yeah, that's like definitely, that's like the one, right? Um, yeah. Is there food in Whisper of the Heart? I feel like that would be like the sort of like setting where oh. I want to see food, but I can't remember if there's any food in that movie. Yeah, I don't remember. There's gotta be, right? Right? There's gotta, There. it's probably like, if there was going to be food in that movie, it would be a bowl of instant ramen, right? Like Yeah. Um The the, um, the ramen in this movie is a strong contender. I would definitely say Spirited Away is like the best one though.
1: Yeah. Um you're about Mary and the Witch's Flower from the Earthsea episode. Got me wondering, how do you feel about works that imitate Studio Ghibli's aesthetic or storytelling? Are there any you especially like or dislike? Let me tell you about Victory Gundam. <laughs> Which you should absolutely go watch. It's really good um, and is absolutely trying to bite on 90s Ghibli style and I think does a decent job of it, all things considered.
0: I can't think of stuff I've seen. I'm having one of those moments that, like, I just can't remember anything I've ever seen. But also, like, I don't know, Ghibli's... Um, Ghibli style to me is like a less specific thing than it is to a lot of people. I think most people say Ghibli and mean Hayao Miyazaki specifically. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like maybe when I think of like Ghibli in my head, I think of only yesterday, and like so I don't notice other people biting their style <laughs> in the same way. I don't know. Yeah. Um. All I know is that like, I don't like Nino Kuni. That's actually Ghibli though. Shit. <laughs> Um yeah. I mean like I don't like Breath of the Wild as a video game but like that is clearly um supposed to just be ripping off uh, Ghibli and I think it's like fucking gorgeous. I think it is one of the most beautiful games that's ever been made. <laughs> um probably Wind Waker falls into this category a little bit, honestly. Yeah. Um all right,
1: then we have questions from Tron. Uh what is the cutest Ponyo moment?
0: cutest Ponyo moment um I mean I've talked about the whole um I've talked a bunch about in the episode about I just like the scene where Lisa decides to just take in Ponyo and just accept I guess I'm just taking care of the child now I think that's like that whole sequence is extremely cute um maybe the best moment is like them trying to turn on this like very lovingly detailed generator (laughs) that's sitting in the garage yeah
1: Um, for me, there's two things. There's one, I like, I, this happens to Sosuke also, but I like when they fall asleep. They fall asleep like children who are fighting sleep, and it, it's very relatable and good. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I also like the bit where Ponyo just has weird, like, hand feet, because when she tried to make herself human, she didn't know how feet worked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the good shit.
1: It's a good scene.
0: Also, like, the moment that Lisa walks in and, like, the kids are, have their feet on the kitchen table and they're like fucking like touching each other's feet to each other. Like, I feel like most mothers would be like, what are you two doing? <laughs> and Lisa just rolls with it in a very funny way.
1: Um, yeah, it's good. Uh, the other question we'll pick up here is uh, how do you feel about the way this movie portrayed Sosuke's parents versus My Neighbor Totoro's parents
0: in peril in a kid's story? Um, it's been so long since we watched Totoro. Um... I mean,
1: is about sick mom and the yeah. whole driving forces, like, oh,
0: something happened to her. Yeah, um... I mean, the big difference between these two movies is that, like, um... Lisa is a very good mom who is always close at hand, and, like, um... It is, like, a very... They're making the best of a bad situation... They're both making the best of a bad situation, but it's just in such a different way. Um... Because I think because like the gender roles are flipped because it's the dad who's gone versus the mom who's gone um, in these two movies. Uh, I kind of lost yep. the tr- thread of what I was saying, but yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I do think it, I've never I did not really think of this movie as like one that where the parents are imperiled. And I think the reactions of the kids are part of that, like so much of the terror of the back end of Totoro is you know, young sister runs off panicked and the older sister realizes that she's gone and panics and their mm-hmm. fear and worry looking for each other. There's none of that in Susuke and Ponyo. Like they are going to love each other and get through it. And that's just what they're going to do. Even when he's like dragging and increasingly like de-transforming Ponyo through a tunnel, right? Like none of that is, none of that is like pressure in the way that like, even like Chihiro's, like final trial to guess her parents is pressure to me
0: i had a moment when they like when they stumble upon lisa's car that i was like oh did she die or something and then like within a half a second i'm like oh no the music would be very different if she was dead yes. like it's fine
1: i like that she just got whisked away and is off talking to uh rose quartz under the water
0: yeah and we never really find out what they're talking about in a very no, funny way just, just mom things just mom things
1: It's nice to have parents that are just good in a, in a animated film.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I almost kind of thought like, yeah, I almost thought early on as like the dad is like never home, that this was going to be like a central theme of the movie. Um, and it's just not, that's just good parents.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. All right. That's everything again. Podcast abnormal mapping.com. Next time, do you know what's next? Uh, The Secret World of Arietti,
0: the best fucking movie.
1: <laughs> it's really I remember really liking it. I have not seen it since it was in theaters. Um, but I remember liking it a lot.
0: Um so I've, look I've forward. Maybe to that. um I was dating someone who had like younger brothers that would like just put on movies, so it's possible that like I was at their house and saw Ariety since it was in theaters, but the last time I like paid attention to Arietti was in theaters. So, yeah. From
1: the director of Mary and the Witch's Flower himself. Oh, God. Hiromasa Yonibayashi.
0: <laughs> well, from the director of Mary and Witch's Flowers, but also written by Hayao Miyazaki. So, like, I hate Miyazaki sometimes, but, like, there is a certain level of craft that you're going to get, at least. <laughs> I know um well so t- he has an interesting career we'll talk about him when we get there
1: because uh he's working on key animation for the 90s worked on serial experiments lane that's a good f- if you've seen lane you should watch lane i should watch lane. lane i should finish yeah. any anime ever that one's like 13 episodes there's no excuse
0: <laughs> well you know what uh i'm 11 episodes into season one of hannibal it's been a real struggle to watch 13 episodes of hannibal so <laughs> we'll fucking see. Well, that's because
1: those that's because those are hour-long episodes that's fair
0: that's fair it's not can the gore. Find you? The gore is not the problem. Where can people problem. find
1: you? Where can people find you? We're done. We're not talking about gore in our Ghibli <laughs> podcast. Are you fucking kidding me?
0: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. I've got a pinned tweet with links to all my podcasts. And right below that pinned tweet, you can find a link to where to support the Export Audio Patreon. Um i recorded a little something Arcanum. before
1: this you should listen to it you have to pay money for it though
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there's gonna be like um a little pre-show thing i'm on the patreon um i guess that'll be import audio i don't yeah i don't know if maybe nora wants us to have a different name because import audio is a rush specific thing i don't know we'll find out yeah i don't know um name it whatever you want it's yeah. your podcast it's my fucking <laughs> podcast i'll cry if i want to
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being I mostly make too many podcasts. Uh, Great Gundam Project is at our Patreon, patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, we are just about to start, when this goes up, probably, uh, 08 The Mess Team. The first episode will be free, because the first episode of every season is free. We're watching that. And uh, Gunbuster and Diebuster, um, which Hell are two yeah. mecha shows from the 90s. I'm very excited about all three of those. Um, so look forward to that. Um, I do Let's Plays on YouTube, youtube.com slash normal mapping. Uh, I like those. If you just want to watch me talk over video games,
0: I, I do do some of that. So... Did um, what was I gonna ask? Is is Oath MS team? Is that thirteen episodes or twenty six episodes? I can't remember. It is twelve episodes. Twelve episodes. Oh, so perfect for Gunbuster and Diebuster. Yep, yeah, that's how we picked it. <laughs> okay, that ma- you know what that makes sense. Maybe I'll watch Diebuster finally. I have I have not
1: seen Diebuster. I've seen Gunbuster. Fucking love Gunbuster. Holy Fucking shit. love
0: Gunbuster. <laughs> Uh, so I'm excited for
1: that. All right, that's everything. We'll be back in a couple weeks, um, and I'm excited for Arietti because uh, you want to talk about a movie that like is about calmly wishing for death. Arietti's got your back.
0: <laughs> I have a very cute sticker online that is uh, from Arietti, and it's just the boy saying, "You're a doomed species," you know. <laughs> Look, we'll talk about it. I have a I have a lot
1: of thoughts about how th- that boy is, so we'll get there. <sighs> We don't have a sign off. Well, I think that is our sign off. <laughs> You're a doomed species, you know. <laughs>
0: のこと